you know, taking this risk, I there's a potential chance that I'm going off the track and I won't be able to finish this race, even though it means so much to me. My heart was racing, the adrenaline was going, but I didn't want to pass up the opportunity, so, so I took it. And the sheer fact that I didn't let fear overtake me, I actually felt more alive. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. We have a really fun show for you today. You know, the prerequisite for being on the Adventure Sports Podcast is that you're passionate about an adventure sport. And our guest today is definitely passionate about her adventure sport. She is a motorcycle racer who just started racing. This is her first season as a racer. Patricia Gay moved to Colorado from Oregon two years ago. And when she got the opportunity to take a motorcycle rider course, then she jumped for the opportunity and absolutely fell in love with the sport. Patricia, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Oh, you bet. This is a really special show. It's rare that we get someone that's this new in the sport and this excited about the sport. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're glad you're here today. Yes, I am ready to share my passion with everybody. (laughs) Okay, so Patricia, you race for the Motorcycle Road Racing Association, and you said that the bike you're riding on is a 2011 Ninja ZX-6R Kawasaki, Yes. and this is your first season as a racer, so Mm -hmm. how do you like it so far? Oh my gosh, it's freaking fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) I, I honestly, I can't think of any more anything more exciting to do than that. Um, if I could race every single day, that's what I would be doing. <laughs> I wouldn't be working. I'd be out on the track doing some seat time. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So take a few minutes to tell us the story of how you started riding motorcycles. Okay. So as, as you'd already mentioned, I did move out here from Oregon two years ago. And then about a year ago, I saw an ad to take the basic rider course at Full Throttle Riding Academy. I went ahead and, you know, kind of did a little bit of thinking. was like, you know, um, I've always wanted to ride motorcycles. I'm going to go ahead and do this for me and only me and no one's going to stop me. I decided to do this without informing any friends or family and went ahead and called the school made my appointment to take the course, and took the class, immediately fell in love, because I actually took the night class, and the second night I was there, I actually spoke to both of the writer coaches who are my instructors, which was Wes and Jason, and Wes is a motocross racer, and Jason, he's a retired road racer, and I had actually asked Jason um, you know, hey, how old were you when you when you started racing? He said he was in his early 30s. And right then and there, I became intrigued because I was like, oh, my gosh, so there's hope for me after all. So I can actually race. <laughs> and then when when he told me that I was ready just to go ahead and pursue my my new passion. So you haven't even finished your first class yet and you're already yeah. ready to race. <laughs> Pretty 
much. I, <laughs> I had my mindset already. <laughs> the intention was there. The how-to I knew was going to happen, but I just didn't know when. <laughs> so you're not only a racer, you're also now a certified rider yes. coach. So what did you have to do to get that certification? So there is the Motorcycle Safety Foundation Rider Coach Prep. What it is, it's uh, it's eight days of training, how to teach the the materials in the classroom, and then how to teach the exercises on the motorcycles to students. And then what we do is we do a lot of practice and going over everything, and then we get tested ourselves, and then we have to teach our own live class. Um, I'll tell you one thing, that was very nerve-wracking, especially just knowing that, you know, the class that you have you're, you're pretty much responsible for these people's lives. And, you know, when you give them these certification cards, um, you're pretty much saying that these people are, are ready for the streets when you give them these cards. So it's it's a huge responsibility, you know, when, when teaching people how to ride motorcycles. Uh, but uh, when, when I took the, the rider coach prep and, and passed, I, I was definitely eager to begin teaching. Definitely... Uh, have had some challenges, but you know it. With the challenges, it, it it's an opportunity to learn how to do things differently in a more effective way. If something didn't work, obviously the first time around. Wow, you really poured yourself into the sport. I mean, you've been riding a little over a year now. You're not only racing; you're also an instructor, and and you work now yeah. for full throttle. <laughs> it was actually it's so funny on how it even became about because so after. After taking the class and passing, Full Throttle has an open-door policy that, you know, once our student, always our student. If you want to come back, keep your skill levels up, and you don't get a bike right away, the door's open. We don't charge our students to come back to keep their skill level up. So I actually took advantage of that. I came back four different times within two weeks because I knew I wanted to ride. (laughs) And with that said... I actually had asked Jason, who is the owner of Full Throttle, I'm like, hey, do you by any chance have um, an opportunity, you know, for me to work on the weekends? And he actually had a position available because after taking the class and being educated with the proper gear, good quality gear, I knew that I had to make a little bit more money to get the right gear. So whenever I'm on the road, that if anything was to ever occur, I would honestly be able just to get right back up and walk away. So with that being said, um, I was an oral surgical dental assistant during the week, and then I was working at the school on the weekends. And then an opportunity came where uh, I was able to register for the writer coach prep. I unfortunately did put in a day and a half notice at my oral surgery job, but I, <laughs> I couldn't pass up an opportunity. I, I, I had to go for it. I gave up a lot of a lot of stuff, you know, to pursue my my new passion in the motorcycle field. So, <laughs> so you're obviously very enthusiastic about it. But why would you encourage other people to try the sport? You know, I think a lot of people are are so scared of motorcycles, and if they just give it a chance, and you know, and and I don't know, I would say just try it for themselves, and it would give them a better understanding as to why, you know, people are, are so passionate. And there's just a sense of peace and freedom anytime you get on that bike. 
it, it's almost hard for me to even put into words to how I feel when I'm on there. But it's just, it's so, it's so therapeutic. And to be honest, you don't see a lot of motorcyclists in front of a therapist office, you know? <laughs> I've heard that before for some reason. It seems like every time we interview someone about motorcycles, they say, hey, motorcyclists don't need therapists. Their bike is their motor is their therapy. <laughs> I am a rider, although my recent experience is somewhat limited, but I can attest to it. You get on that motorcycle and it requires that singleness of thought and focus. <laughs> and it's fun. Oh, it's yeah. It's out and refreshing because you're outside, you've got the wind in your face, mm -hmm. you know, the fresh air. And whatever it is about that combination, it's just perfect for getting the mind off your worries mm -hmm. and uh, oh, moving totally. on. And, you know, I think one of my – one of – my favorite things about being on a motorcycle too and and you know with technology being so distracting for a lot of people I love the fact at least with me when I am on that motorcycle I am fully 100% present um I don't have cell phones distracting me I don't have food distracting me I am on that bike fully focused aware of my surroundings 100% of the time and I think that's really, I think that's really important. I mean, especially, you know, like I mentioned with, with the technology really distracting people these days. I, that's one of the things I really do love about being on a motorcycle too, because I don't want to say it forces me, but I definitely choose to be present on my bike. And I really like that. Yeah. Well, you have to be. Yeah. You have to be. You don't have a choice. If you want to be safe, you exactly. have to be present. You know, this may sound a little too philosophical, so forgive me in advance, but my experience has been that when you're out on a motorcycle, you almost feel like the bike is an extension of yourself. Uh, you know, I, I have to agree, especially when when you develop that relationship with your bike and become one with it, it, it it's a part of you. So I'm just going to tell our listeners right now, if you've not experienced that, <laughs> you probably have to go out and ride to experience it. It sounds really strange, mm -hmm. but the bike becomes so, I mean, the controls on the bike become an automatic part of yourself. And when you think something, the bike does it. And it's just an amazing experience. It's like, it's like running, except you have a machine. Yeah, with ultimately, I agree. Well, tell us an amazing experience that really hooked you on the sport. It sounds like even the idea of riding was enough to hook you, but we still want to hear that story. Okay, so the beginning of June of 2014, I was actually working for Full Throttle completely full-time. About a month later, Jason had given me an opportunity to go to the Pueblo racetrack Um on the 4th of July during the day. And so we went ahead and loaded up our bikes. And then we also had another uh, young guy come with us too, who was actually, who is our range aide at full throttle. And uh, it was his first time as well. And Jason was showing us the ropes, the lines, the body positions. And when, when I first got there, I was pretty excited because for one, I couldn't, I couldn't believe I was even going on a track to begin with. I will say that going there, I had a little bit of a fear of, you know, scratching my bike, which I did do that after a few laps. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but when I did that, though, I was going through turn nine. I think I was going about 30 miles per hour. I don't know. I was I was so trained on not to look down at my speedometer. I didn't even bother to see how fast I was going. But I ended up low-siding. Um, 
was totally fine. I was appropriately geared up to ride, was able just to get up and walk away. I did scratch my bike, which I was really sad about, but I got the first scratch done and out of the way. So I was able to, I was able to move on. I did have a little bit of a, um, a mental block for a couple less, but then I was able to move forward. And after doing that, I was like, I, I really need to just pursue this in a more extreme level by, by actually trying to race. And so Jason informed me of an opportunity through the MRA, which is the Motorcycle Road Racing Association. They have the these um, these super street classes, which what it is, it, it gives people who are street riders um, an opportunity to kind of get their feet wet to see if, you know, maybe, you know, motorcycle racing is something that, you know, is for them. So Jason sponsored me a couple super street races and the very first race, it was, it was like the end of August of 2014. It was at High Plains Raceway and it's very well organized on how they get all the students in and, you know, they tell us about the rules, how they partner us up with already expert racers out there. When you partner up with them, they take you out on the track, they should to show you, you know, the body positions, the lines, kind of how to go on the track. And and safety is always number one, too. But then after, you know, they show you the ropes and you start practicing startup grids and then... So listeners out there, I want to tell you what's going on right now. I am actually recording from the road, which is a blast. It's one of the advantages of doing a podcast and an adventure sport podcast <laughs> is you'll often find us on the road pursuing our sports. Well, in the middle of our interview, a thunderstorm came through, and so you might even still hear the rain, but we're going to continue with the interview, and my apologies for the background noise, but that's all part of the fun of adventure sports. So, Patricia, you were telling us about your first mock race and how that felt, so let's jump back into that. Okay, so after all the races for the day were done, um, all of us um, super street students were able to go out on the track, um, pre-grid, and then uh, start our mock-up race. Well, right before the light gave us the go to get the race started, I was at my pre-grid spot, and I had my throttle revving up high, redlining, and I just had butterflies like no other, and I I seriously felt like I was going to puke because it was my (laughs) very first time. But when that light went off, I just feathered up that clutch as much as possible, like very smooth, and just pretty much gunned it. Um, So it was like about two laps, and then um, from what I observed or from what I remember, I felt like I was keeping up with a lot of the guys and so I, I from what I was told before um unfortunately I did I did wreck out oh no because <laughs> I was so excited I was trying to keep up with the guys but I was told I was like in the top 10 of uh out of I think it was 26 of us out there but I was going through what would be corner it was corner one at HPR and I was told that at certain corners, you're supposed to be in certain gears. Well, unfortunately, when I was going into corner one, I looked down and I saw I was in fourth gear and I was told I had to be in second gear going through that corner. So I panicked and, oh, and to uh, make things interesting too, before that race, it had rained and we were waiting for the track to dry. 
And so anything off the track was really muddy. So again, to get back to when I was going through corner one and I looked down and I saw I was in fourth gear, um, instead of looking through my corner and just pressing a bit harder on my on my handlebars, <laughs> um, I ended up looking out to where all the mud was and decided to go dirt bike riding instead. <laughs> <laughs> I tried so hard to save it, but the mud out there was just way too mushy. Um, I ended up uh, kind of going down, but it was amazing though because there was this photographer named Dan Welchel. He actually got some amazing shots of me going down. It almost looks like that my that I was almost bull riding my bike. My feet were up in the air, but I was hanging on to my handlebars with dear life. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because after I finally came to a stop, I was trying to get my bike back up. And I was getting hoot and hollered at, hey, get out of the way of impaction. And I remember screaming back, but I know no one couldn't hear me because I'm wearing a full-faced helmet. But I'm like but I want to get back out there and finish the race. I'm not done yet. <laughs> but uh, eventually um, I, I wasn't able to finish the race because I did wreck out and my bike was so covered in mud. I, I needed a pressure washer and there wasn't one available. And um, after that race, I, I was, well, I was in even before I even did that first super straight race. I, I was already hooked and I just, I knew instantly, but when I came back, to like the pit area, you know, where everyone was, I was just, I had such an energy and such a glow. I think a lot of people could see the passion that had already started, you know, growing immensely, especially after that first mock race, even though I didn't get the finish, but it, it was there and, and it was showing. you love mountains, you are not alone. Jerry Roach is well known for his extraordinary and detailed guidebook, Colorado 14ers. But did you know that Jerry has written 15 books, including guidebooks to 13ers, Indian Peaks, Rocky Mountain National Park, and more. But he has also written narratives about a lifetime of mountaineering full of Jerry's insights and humor. If you like adventure, then these books are for you. Jerry Roach's books can be purchased at his website, summitsite.com. That's S-U-M-M-I-T-S-I-G-H-T.com, as well as on Amazon and in bookstores near you. Outdoor Pursuits is the adventure hub of Fort Lewis College. This comprehensive collegiate outdoor program not only offers an extensive outdoor equipment co-op that provides everything from tents to kayaks and ski gear to mountain bikes, but also offers a varied trip calendar that includes both instructional and recreational outings from climbing some of the world's highest peaks to enjoying Durango's amazing hiking and mountain biking trails. Our experienced and friendly staff are always up for an adventure and are a great resource for those planning their own outings. Visit the Fort Lewis College website for more information on what Outdoor Pursuits is all about. And remember, adventure is not in the guidebook and beauty is not on the map.
yeah, and then when I did my second Super Street, I was at the Pikes Peak International Raceway. Um, I was actually informed um, that if I went off the track, that I wouldn't be able to dirt bike ride like I did at High Plains. But um, if I was to go off, I would actually end up hitting a cement wall. So it it, kind of changed my mentality a little bit on that second race, the Super Street race. When I did that Super Street, I was pretty slow and I was... I was actually pretty mad because when I finished the race, I was towards the end of where of everybody. I was like the second to the last one to finish. And a lot of people were really excited for me because I finished. But I was really mad because I was <laughs> I was so slow. But it's because I let the anxiety sink in because I felt that if I went too fast and I floated off the track, I didn't want to run into a wall. So there was some anxiety there when when I did that <laughs> when I did that second race. Yeah, I guess. Let's talk for just a minute. This is a perfect time to talk about target fixation. And the oh, reason yes. I bring this up is cuz on my mountain bike it's always been one of my bad habits. Mm-hmm. See the rock, want to avoid the rock, hit the rock because you're looking at the rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. It sounds like the crash where you went off into the mud was one of those scenarios. Oh, yeah. It was a perfect example. <laughs> so I just wanted to mention this because you might save a life just by your story right here. Mm-hmm. Um, writers out there, listen. Don't look at what you want to miss. Look at where you want to go, right? I mean, yes, exactly. Especially when in those corners and curves all the time. Always look through that corner. Find the exit of that curve. Don't. Don't look anywhere else. If you're looking off at the edge when you're going to that corner, oof, it's not going to be a pretty scene. I mean, just, you know, with my experience on the track, instead of staying on the on the track itself, I ended up going dirt bike riding, <laughs> which didn't get me very far. Definitely, definitely look where you want to go, not where you don't want to go. Oh, yeah. The years on my dirt bike, I've done that several times. And it always is so scary. And now I've done it on my mountain bike several times, even just last week on a on a single track trail um, mm-hmm. on a steep section. I was trying to go by another rider that didn't finish the climb. And there was a pile of rocks right on the edge of the trail. Instead of looking at the gap, I looked at the rocks and you mm-hmm. know where I ended up. <laughs> oh, man. So just seriously, people out there, it's a it's a crazy thing. It goes against human nature. But don't look at what you want to miss. Yeah. Don't look at what you want to miss. Look where you want to go and just have the confidence you're going to go right where you intend to be. Yeah, and keep those head and eyes up at all times. Oh, yeah. On your second race, you did quite a bit better. Are you talking about like in the Super Street or are you talking about in my actual race season? In your actual race season. Okay, so yeah, much, much different. So we've already had three rounds, but unfortunately our first round had to get canceled Um because there was a huge monsoon in Byers, um, which is where High Plains Raceway is. Now, the second round, that was at High Plains as well. I was actually pretty happy with with my progression, with my performance. My ultimate goal was to finish my races, and I raced in um, in a few different classes. I actually even did a, f- a four-hour endurance race with a team of three to four people, and, and that was that was really, really fun. But yeah, then when I did my second race, which would be round three, and that was at Pueblo fairly recently, I actually got my my very, very first trophy 
in the LOR class, which is the Ladies of the Rockies class, which um, that was a huge, huge accomplishment for me. I have never received any type of trophy throughout my entire life. So when I when I got that, it was a very emotional, emotional time for me. Well, it's kind of confirmation that you're doing what you love, huh? Oh, definitely. And what's interesting is in that class, when I was finishing, it was like it was very last lap. And I was going through corner 10 right before the checkered flag line. I started bawling before I finished that that race. I think it's because just just knowing that um, I did I did finish in second place. It was just it was such a, a phenomenal, overwhelming feeling. I, I couldn't even I, I was just in complete shock with myself that I couldn't believe that I had pushed myself so hard. And there there were some there were some opportunities that uh, I took some risks that Kind of was spooky, but uh, I really, I really wanted to earn a trophy that that weekend. Surprisingly enough, I, I got it. Oh, that's so cool! Mm-hmm. How fun is it to find your passion and then to challenge yourself, challenge your barriers, and then to come out on top like that and get the reward of realizing, "Whoa, I I am doing this." Yeah, when I really choose to do something and I put my mind to it, I. Uh, I don't stop till I get there. I'm very determined, and when I have a goal, it 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 won't stop in, until until I've made it. But I don't think this will be a goal that I'll just stop. Though this is this is definitely a lifestyle that I plan on having and practicing in my life for the rest of my life. I I. <laughs> I thank Colorado for <laughs> giving me the opportunity to <laughs> to let me have an opportunity to ride motorcycles, having the weather and and the resources to to take the classes to learn to ride. Because actually, back in Oregon, they're very limited. They usually teach the classes on the weekends, and it's only during the summertime because that's when Oregon's really nice. <laughs> so. So share with us a story about a challenging or a scary experience. I would have to say that it would be one of my races. And doing the the Ladies of the Rockies race, actually this last round, it was, it was pretty scary for me because of the risk that I did decide to take. So the LOR race races happen on Sundays. Um, super street races, which happens at the end of Saturdays, we had a super street class and unfortunately, um, a student had gone down and there was some oil, you know, all over the track, unfortunately. And, and any time that there is an oil spill, we, you know, it's got to be cleaned up and MRA, they, they, they make sure that the track is always safe before they let anybody on it. With that said, even though I know that they, the track is safe for us riders, but still in my head, I'm creating anxiety for myself thinking, oh, there's an oil spill. I've got to try and avoid that. I got to try and avoid that. And so anyways, when it came, when it came to the LOR race, I, uh, I had to take a different line as they would call it to make the pass that I needed in order to, in order to have gotten the place that I got when I finished. Um, and that was, that was really scary for me just knowing because it was a different line than what I would normally take. And 
with taking the line that I did, I was crossing over where the oil spill was the the evening before and and I just had to try and stay focused and knowing that, you know, taking this risk, I there's a potential chance that I'm going off the track and I won't be able to finish this race, even though it means so much to me. My heart was racing, the adrenaline was going, but I didn't want to pass up the opportunity, so, so I took it. And the sheer fact that I didn't let fear overtake me, I actually felt more alive when I felt so scared with taking that risk. Hmm. And it's a calculated risk because you knew that they had cleaned the track. Yeah, it, and it was, and and it was still it was still scary in my mind though. Oh yeah. But yeah, it, and you're right. Yes, it was a it was a calculated risk. And what's interesting is I'm I'm typically not a calculated risk taker, and I just I gun it, I I do it. <laughs> but also at the same time though too, when I am on that track, I I try and make sure that. If I do pass people, I try to be very safe about it as well because that's important too because I don't want to put other people in harm's way. But that is also part of the sport is taking risks. And I, uh, I, I, I like taking those risks. Passing people or getting passed by faster riders is, is very spooky, <laughs> especially if you're not used to those loud bikes just zooming right by you and it catches you oh, off yeah. guard <laughs> so you know that's kind of what adventure sports are about it's mm-hmm. about pushing our personal limits and even something that you know something that has the appearance of risk mm-hmm. pushes our personal limits and one thing that really illustrates this for me is when i used to teach teenagers how, how to sport repel mm-hmm. and they're on a rope they're being belayed they actually cannot fall and get hurt oh that that doesn't change the fact that stepping off of a cliff feels like a huge, huge risk. And to watch people overcome those those personal challenges, the perceived risk, it, it stretches us. It makes us grow. It, it makes us live life a little bit larger than we did before. And we, oh. we learn things about ourselves. Oh, definitely. You know, I, I feel like I experienced that, you know, the, with the motorcycle field. Um, I definitely feel like that I, I've grown a lot. For sure. And then also just kind of, it's just kind of feeding into my adrenaline junkiness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a lot of fun. Colorado Mountain Club members get the most out of the Colorado summers. We summit 14ers, enjoy relaxing fly fishing excursions, climb thousand foot rock faces, backpack through wilderness areas, explore the culture of Europe, raft through the Grand Canyon, and so much more. The Colorado Mountain Club teaches you the skills you need to safely maximize living in such an awesome outdoor playground, as well as connects you to thousands of other adventure-loving mountaineers. Founded in 1912, the Colorado Mountain Club acts as a gateway to the mountains for novices and experts alike. It's the perfect time to sign up for a membership. For more information, go to cmc.org. That's cmc.org. This episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by 180TAC.com. 180TAC manufactures premier backpacking and emergency products. 
Whether you need a backpacking stove for your week-long trek on the trail or an emergency stove for your bug-out bag, we have the tools you need. Visit www.180tack.com. You know, I think I need to go on full disclosure here. I rode dirt bikes a lot over the years, um, but I've never had a motorcycle endorsement until this week. And I'm telling the listeners that because I've never been on the streets. You know, it's always been dirt bikes. But <laughs> I went to a Full Throttle Riding Academy, and of course, that's how I met Patricia and invited her to be on the show because I think her story is so cool. Yay! But I had a blast going through the class, and even after years of riding in the dirt, I learned a lot of valuable things from the course. And so I'm really excited now to uh, hit the streets and some of these mountain roads here in Colorado and get to experience touring Colorado from that perspective. It's going to be a blast. Oh, it, it will be too. And, you know, we get a lot of people who are – you know, experienced riders as well, and they leave very happy because they end up learning a lot more than than what they thought. And of, of course, you know, new riders who come through too are very very satisfied when they leave. And some of the things that you know we try and make very clear too that you know riding a motorcycle isn't just the physical aspect; it's just having the right mentality whenever you get on that bike. Oh, absolutely. I certainly learned a lot about motorcycle safety from the class, and I uh, I would endorse Full Throttle. Boy, if you want to ride on the streets, <laughs> go to Full Throttle first, people. It, it might save your life. It's definitely worth the time and investment to do it. Yeah, or even, and sometimes what I tell people, too, is if there's people out there who look like they need to come to the course, I usually tell them, hey, might want to come hang out with us for a little bit. Because <laughs> there are some people out there with some really bad habits. Yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, tell us about some events or projects that you have in the works. We do some some stuff with, uh, with Tri-City Cycles. We do, I know that there's an open house coming up, up there, I believe on July 18th. We're going to have the school up there and give an opportunity for people to come take classes with us. A really cool thing, too, is we work with Colorado Power Sports, and they usually do, like, maintenance classes, you know, for our students who come through. They teach, you know, students who are interested in learning how to maintenance their own bike. They show students how to do that on on their own motorcycles, which is pretty cool. There are opportunities where, you know, after you take the basic rider course class with us, you can come back and take the basic rider course, too, which is the experience class but you do it on your own bike. Um, we do offer uh, track days. So, you know, if you want to try and test out the track on, on your own bike, we we are always more than happy to take our students out there too and show them the ropes. And it's something that I did start recently, and I've just been kind of doing it kind of privately, but I've been taking students one-on-one with me, on rides, you know, taking, especially you newer riders who aren't familiar with curvy areas. And I just kind of guide them on where, you know, on where to go. I don't, I don't charge people for that. Actually, we don't really charge our students for any of, 
you know, the time that we give. You know, like I mentioned, we have an open door policy. Once our student, always our student. We love seeing our students come back. You know, we don't ever want our students to be strangers. It's really important for me to express and elaborate to all the students that come through that, you know, it's important to us that they know that we are a reliable resource when it comes to motorcycles at all, whether it's about gear or motorcycles or going to go look at motorcycles or or trying to figure out like maintenance on motorcycles too, or having, if you have an emergency and you're stuck somewhere and your bike is broken down and you need someone to haul, you know, come pick you up, we will be there for you. Jason went up to Wyoming to go get a student because her bike was broken down and he, he rode up there to get her bike and brought it back down. So, I mean, if, if people are ever in a position where they're unsure, I mean, we want them to know that they can depend on us. Wow, that's neat. You know, there's so many organizations and businesses out there that are just, you know, trying to push people through and take their money and say la vie, good luck, you know. Mm-hmm. But that kind of customer service and follow-up is a rare thing and it's part of what makes you guys what you are. So thanks for being that way. Thanks for doing that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, this is a perfect time to ask. Do you have any uh, special promotions or discounts for our listeners? Um, yeah, so if... At all, anyone is interested in taking a class, you know, to get their endorsement, give us a call. Uh, We can be reached at 303-503-7381. Our classes are typically $255, but if you say, hey, I would like the Patricia rate, we'll let you take the class for $200. And that offer stands till about June 30th of 2016. Very cool. So a year of... The Patricia discount. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. That's really cool. Even for our out-of-state guests, you couldn't pick a better place to learn to ride a motorcycle. And Colorado is just delightful. So, hey, come and beat the heat a little bit. Come to Colorado, check out Full Throttle, and learn to ride. Oh, yes. And also, too, if if there is anyone out there who is interested in even, you know, maybe, like I said, getting their feet wet with even racing – you know, the Motorcycle Road Racing Association does offer, you know, those super street classes. And there are people out there who are more than happy to sponsor people who want to give it a shot. So therefore, you know, um, if that's something that people are interested, give us a call. I'll be more than happy to hook people up who want to try and be sponsored for that. As my uh, kids have been learning to drive cars, yeah. I've said, you know what? If you want to go fast and get the thrill of speed and see what you can do behind the wheel, then by all means do it on a track. Exactly. (laughs) Because it's no game out there when there are people whose lives are at stake. Don't do it on the surface streets, you know. So you motorcycle riders out there, hear what Patricia's saying. If you like to, to push the envelope a little bit, don't do it on the streets. Call Patricia and she'll help you get on a track where you can really learn the safe way to. Yeah, and, and the best part too is the track. It's it's always well maintained, and also the best part too, which I probably shouldn't say, but I'm going to anyways. There's no speed limit out there. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get in trouble oh, out there. Fun. Well, except for you know maybe if you run off the track, but. <laughs> Yeah, don't go beyond your own abilities, but hey, you may be surprised what your abilities are once you exactly. learn how to do it. Exactly. Yep, that's so true. But yeah, that's that's my favorite part about the track is that on on how controlled and well maintained these tracks are. So there are no surprises out there. Like there's no debris, there's no squirrels trying to jump out in front of you. <laughs> 
So, Patricia, do you have tips or tricks for riding motorcycles? Some motorcycle hack that could help our listeners? Especially with it being the hot weather out right now. I know a lot of people really want to ride and not gear up as much. But, you know, I look at it this way. Like, would you rather sweat or would you... Would you rather bleed? You know, I think it's important that that people should still gear up. It really worries me when I see people not appropriately geared up to ride when they're on those bikes. Yesterday, I was I was wearing my racing boots, my I was wearing my jeans and my Draco jeans over my jeans, and then I wore my Under Armour shirt with my Alpine Star leather jacket, my gauntlet gloves, and my full face awry helmet, and I rode. Yeah, it it was very uncomfortable, and I was sweating a lot. But you know what? At the end of the day, I know that if anything was to have happened, I probably would have been able to get up and and walk. Um, and it just worries me that you know people are are really vulnerable too, especially when they go really short distances. But you just never know what might occur. So I just I say gear up, no matter what. You just you never know when that day is gonna come. Oh yeah, motorcycles are a blast. They're they're so good for the psyche and so good for your stress reduction and so good for learning situational awareness and all that other stuff. But there is risk involved. You come off your bike at high speed, you better hope you've mm-hmm. got the gear on. And even, you know, honestly, and low speeds too. I mean, we've had people come through and tell us stories like there was there was a gentleman who actually, he was going about seven miles per hour and he didn't even wear a helmet. And unfortunately, he went down and uh, he he hit his head just right that he became a vegetable. Oh, my. So high speeds or low speeds, it, it can still be just as damaging. Well, they're heavy, powerful machines and they can throw you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. So, again, that's why it's I feel it's very key and important to re- respect that bike anytime you get on it and just just know and be aware of what you're doing when you're on there. Patricia, how does riding and racing motorcycles benefit you? How does it benefit others? And how do you think it might even benefit society at large? So how I think it's very beneficial is, for one, yes, street riding and racing. It does help with my confidence. Um, and again, it it gives me a better understanding of my bike, which, you know, I think is really key for a lot of people anytime they get on their bike. Anytime you get on that bike, you're building your skill level. You know, it's just like, you know, if, if you don't ride your bike for like, let's say, you know, six months, and this doesn't go for everybody, but you don't ride your bike for six months, your skill level just drops. It's very important to that if you are going to be a motorcyclist, you know, to commit, you know, riding about six to 10,000 miles a year to, you know, keep that skill level up too. I would definitely say that between being a street rider and a racer, you definitely are more aware of potential risks and more aware of your surroundings. And, and like I said, just, just building that relationship with that bike and respecting the bike. Well, Patricia, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show today. And your, I think your passion for, for biking is, is contagious. So thank you for that. Will you close us out with a funny story? Ooh, ooh, I got a good one. I got a good one. So, um, it actually has to deal with this last round. So, Actually, when I was racing in the the ladies of the Rockies class, 
there was another class racing on the same track as the same time as LOR called the Modern Vintage uh, GTU. And so there, there's a guy that I, w- that I was pitting with that weekend, and he was actually in the first wave. I was in the second wave with the LOR, but the Modern Vintage was in the first wave. Well, it, it was the white flag lap, which means it's the last lap. I saw the guy I was pitting with. I was going through corner 10. I was just inching up to him. And eventually, I was inching past him. And the entire time, and he was in the straightaway, I was looking right at him, provoking him. <laughs> because he he knew I was a chick. And I knew that it would just get him going, just knowing that a chick is passing him. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and, and then by the time... You know, we got back, we got back into the race of, uh, you know, we congratulate each other, but to be conservative about what he said, he would pretty much said I was a turd because <laughs> <laughs> he knew exactly what I was doing. But of course, other words were exchanged, but it was all in, it was all in good spirits though. But I think that was one of my favorite funny, my funny moments uh, <laughs> being on a motorcycle is, is provoking a guy and pushing his buttons by passing him. <laughs> I just don't think a lot of guys like being passed by girls, <laughs> <laughs> especially with, with motorcycles be used to be in such a man sport, but now that there's women starting to come in. Um, we're definitely starting to gain on them. <laughs> oh, that's fun. You know, we interviewed Yolandi Rust, who was the first female to solo circumnavigate Africa on a motorcycle. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things that she really enjoyed was riding up to maybe, a, you know, customs where she had to do a border crossing and pulling off her helmet and watching the custom officials just, you know, their mouths drop open. And mm-hmm. she described how many times it actually helped because, you know, it threw everyone off their guard and helped her to have smoother border crossings because she was the chick on the bike that they didn't expect. Oh, how f- that is awesome. What a moment. <laughs> well, Patricia, I wish you all the best in your racing and in your instructing and in pursuing this passion of yours. Thank you for being on the show today. We appreciate your insights and your enthusiasm. It's been a lot of fun. Patricia, the website where people can learn more about Full Throttle is fullthrottleacademy.com. Yes. And again, give us the phone number. Uh, So the phone number is 303-503-7381. Very cool. And to all of our listeners out there, until next time, get out there and have some fun. Yeah. Would you like to be a guest on a future show? Just go to adventuresportspodcast.com and click the contact us button.